Well, good morning. How are you today? Congratulations. You made it. You got your clock set correctly. You made it to service on time. We had several at our 9 o'clock service that did that. Those who didn't were expecting a nice turnout for our 1130 service today, our extra service for those those people. So we're glad you're here today. I know you might be dragging a little bit, so uh, let's jump right into it. And uh, this morning, we're kind of, it's part two. We're continuing what we talked about last week. We started in Matthew chapter five with this story of the Sermon on the Mount. Look, the danger, Christians, is you're like, oh, I've heard Sermon on the Mount. I've heard that preach from a million times. And you kind of tone down or click off, you know, and go into Facebook mode the next half hour. Look, listen, don't do that because Jesus has something to say to us this morning, and it, it's impactful, but it flows right out of what we talked about last week. In fact, if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, make sure you go back and listen to that teaching. It sets a foundation for where we're going in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you didn't get sermon notes and you want to follow along, then just slip up your hand and Pastor Anson will bring... <laughs> what was that? Pastor Anson was trying to look very cool and suave back there leaning against the wall. So I'm glad you guys didn't have to see that. Oh. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to jump into, um, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at this passage that's very familiar. We use it a lot in the church world. It's about being salt and being light. Now, I want to remind you before we jump into it, like last week, what we said was Jesus is speaking to this crowd, and he blesses this crowd. He looks at this crowd, and he says, look, the blessing is that the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the realness of God is available to you. The overarching key last week is that in the Beatitudes, remember poor in spirit, mourning, on and on, that the blessing is not in the condition. It's not like I need to get myself into that condition so I can be blessed. The blessing is in the kingdom of God being available to you. And Jesus is saying this to a crowd that has come to him that is looking to be healed, some even demon-possessed. This was the disenfranchised, some of the outcasts, the thrown away, certainly those in Jewish society who would not have been looked upon as being favored by God. And what does Jesus say to them eight different times? Blessed are you. Blessed are you. God's blessing is on you when you go through these things. When you go through these things that our culture tells you it means you don't have the favor of God. Jesus is saying, no, you are blessed because the kingdom of God is available to you right in the midst of what you're going through. That's great news. Now, we flip to this passage that's about salt and light. And I just want to remind you this morning, it's not like Jesus said, okay, crowd, you guys get out of here. All right, new crowd, come on in. You know, and now I'm going to talk to just like the, the really devoted followers, you know, the ones I call disciple. This is the same crowd Jesus is talking to, and he uses these terms salt and light. Let me just read the passage. It's in your notes this morning, so follow along or you can see it on the screen. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 5, starting in 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's just make sure we ask a question. Who's the you he's talking about? 
the you he is talking to is this crowd that's in front of him. The same crowd that was in front of him when we talked last week about being blessed in the Beatitudes. This is that marginalized, that disenfranchised, those who were looking for healing. These were the ones you might say in Jewish society were the nobodies. Now, mixed in there were Jesus' close followers, his disciples, who were, that crowd was starting to build. And then probably sprinkled among it as well was the religious leaders as well. Kind of saying, what's going on here? What's happening? What's this guy teaching? We know that some of the Pharisees were like, wow, this is, we've never heard anyone teach like this. Some of the Pharisees were like, mm-mm, I don't like what I'm hearing. Those people were probably scattered and mingled in as well. That's the you that Jesus is talking about. So let's jump in and let's talk about salt and light. Here's the first thing, and under this issue of salt, and we'll talk about it in just a second, the first thing I want you to know is that Jesus' you is the unexpected. You know, I say, what are we talking about, the unexpected? Meaning, this crowd that Jesus is now going to say, you are the salt and you are the light, this is not the crowd you would expect him to talk and say that to. These are people who are coming, and you would call them, they're seeking, they're wanting something, they're hoping for something. And Jesus actually says last week that blessed are you, the kingdom of God is available to you. And because of that, you are salt and you are light. Like Jesus in a real way is saying that the moment you interact with what God has to offer, he calls that the kingdom of God, his presence. The moment you interact with that, you immediately become salt and you become light. And so Jesus is speaking this to the very same crowd, saying like, look, did you come here today in your morning? You're blessed. And because of the blessing, guess what? You get to go out and be salt and light because of the presence of God and the kingdom of God in your life. That's unexpected. This is not the crowd you'd expect that on. Like if you came this morning and you're like, man, I'm kind of on a spiritual journey. I don't know even know much about this Christianity thing. Or I came this morning because somebody made me come. I've been away from church a long time. Um, Or if you're like, I'm here every week, but you just know there's not much spiritual fervor going on in your life at all, if you are honest. Nonetheless, Jesus would be standing here speaking the same message to you. That you, if you would embrace the kingdom of God, the presence of God in your life, the realness of God in your life, you get to go be salt and light. In fact, he would go so far really to say, you can't help but be salt and life if you really interact with the presence of God that way. So that's how he's introducing this. Here's what the passage said. We just read the whole thing. Let me, let me make sure we pinpoint the salt part. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So you're the salt of the earth. That sounds like a good thing, right? Let's talk about the components of salt. But then that other component, he says, but what if a salt loses its saltiness? What's it good for? Both of those are important. So first, what is salt, right? What is it? What does it do for us? Well, in Jesus' day, it was very similar to what it does for us. One thing that salt can do is it can cleanse things, right? You know, you, you, you little cut, little scrape, pour some salt in it. Now, we have special ointments now, so we don't do that anymore, you know. But and it probably doesn't feel too good, but it's a cleansing thing, right? In fact, you can take a salt and mix it with, like, vinegar, maybe some flour, create a paste or whatever. And, I mean, you can actually, that's like your homemade remedy for some cleaning solution, a clean off your metal or in your shower or things like that. You can mix those things together. So salt has that quality, 
And it's as if Jesus is saying, look, we do the same. Like when you are salt for somebody, like, like you bring healing to them. You bring some type of cleansing and helping to their life. Maybe for the people he's talking to, especially when you're salt, guess what? You get to cleanse where faith has been misused. And in that day and age, Jesus directly speaks into this, where he speaks into how religion has been actually abusive. In fact, the very idea that Jesus is speaking to this crowd and the way he's speaking to them actually gives testimony to the fact that Jesus is pushing against the religious establishment at time and how they've actually misused. So we get to do that when we're salt. It's the same way. Isn't that a blessing that, like, you get to actually speak healing and life into people, people that have been beat down. You actually get to speak Jesus into somebody. Like, when they feel like they've been, like, like, like abused by religion, you get to speak the realness of who Jesus is into somebody's life and what Jesus has to offer. Because, folks, look, I'm telling you, uh, not many people out there know what Jesus really has to offer, But if you would open up your Bible and you'd read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you'd go, wow, I'm really getting an understanding of who Jesus is. What Jesus is saying here is you get to go be that to somebody else. You get to go do that to somebody. That's that's a component of salt. What else does salt do? It preserves, right? And they didn't have their refrigerators and their freezers like we do today, so they would use more salt to preserve their meat, right? And to make it just last longer, to endure. And, you know, we're doing the same thing. That Jesus is saying that we are salt in the sense that we get to help the kingdom of God endure, the kingdom of God grow, that we get to do that. Like, we're, we're, we get to go out and we get to share the real kingdom of God and it helps the kingdom of God endure what also, and probably the thing we think the most about salt is it flavors, right? Now, I do a lot of the cooking at my house, and I just don't cook with much salt. I don't even think about it, you know, because for me, it's just not something I'm drawn to. So, you know, I put the salt and pepper on the table, and I've got a wife and a daughter who, I mean, they just make it snow, you know, on, <laughs> you know. So they go for it with the salt, right? Uh, but I was down in Orlando this past week. Pastor Anson and I were at a conference, a church conference, and we tried hard to get to some sessions in between our Disneyland trips and Universal trips. Um, yeah, we, we got to some, but uh, we went to a Cuban restaurant, right? And we, we, had, we had pretty good Cuban food, but I ordered a thing called yucca. I didn't know what yucca was. It was on the menu. What, what's that? Did I pronounce it wrong? I, no, no, I want to hear. What is it? That's what I said, yucca. How did you say it? You might have said it wrong. Oh, <laughs> all right. I had yucca. And um, it was on the menu. I didn't know what it was. But um, in Arizona, um, there was a yucca plant in Arizona. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this must be like that cactus plant that I'm used to, so I, I, that I knew of, and they must figure out some way to eat it. So we ordered it. But when it came, um, I learned it was a root. And it looked a little bit like a french fry. And so I said, oh, good. But when we ate it, we both, Pastor Hanson and I commented the same thing. Wow, this is pretty bland. I would expect it to be. um, But if you threw a little salt on top of it, and and then you'd go, oh, there it is. There it is. You're starting to to taste. That's what what salt does, right? Like, I don't know. Like, you may be like, I don't like green beans. But if you'll throw a little bit of salt on it, I'll eat my green beans, right? Or maybe you'll say, just give me a can of salt, and I'll put a green bean on it. Either way, I'm going to get my beans, right? I, I don't know, but, but salt does that. It adds flavor. you got to catch this, right? Like Jesus is actually saying, you are that. You 
are that flavor, that enticer. Like so far that, look, you got to catch what Jesus is saying. Even so far that Jesus is saying the kingdom of God without you is pretty bland. What, Tom? You're calling the kingdom of God bland? Blasphemy. No, no. but think about it. If the kingdom of God doesn't work, if the presence of God doesn't work in people's lives, that's pretty bland. Why would I have want anything to do with it? But you live it out. You live out the realness of God in your life. That is so enticing. That is like putting the salt on it where you eat the fry and you go, hmm, that's, now that's good, right? That is what you do. That is a powerful presence that we have when we connect with the presence of God and the kingdom of God. So what about this light thing as well? Um, in fact, if you're reading through this and you read about salt and then you read about light, it's almost like you get to light and it's a little bit of an exhale because it's much easier to understand, right? Light, we shine light. That metaphor gets used all around, right? You know, like you might say, hey, you know, you were, you were a real light in my life in a dark time, you know? We say things like that. You rarely say to anybody, you know, you were a really good thing of salt in my life, you know, in a tough... Like, you, we don't speak that way, right? But we get to light, and we start to understand this a little clearer here. That Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Here's what he actually says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do its people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. I mean, what... What is, what is Jesus just saying there? Quite simple. He's saying, look, you understand that when it's dark, one single light shines. And at least in that area, it's no longer dark anymore. And that it makes no sense. There's no mentality that you would light something up and immediately cover it so that you didn't have access to that light. That doesn't make any sense to Jesus at all, right? He says, so you, 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 have, to, you have to be a light, now, listen to what he says, though. He says, you are the light of the world. Does that bother anybody that Jesus says that? I thought Jesus was the light of the world, right? Isn't Jesus the light of the world? Why is he saying that I'm the light of the world? Well, take a look at John chapter 12, 8, verse 12. Jesus actually says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said what? What did he say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. So why would Jesus turn around and say, you're the light of the world? Quite simply, Jesus so strongly believed that when we interact with the presence of God, that realness of God, you can't help but be a light too, the same light that Jesus is. Like, like it, is, it is immediately transferred. In fact, light is transferable. It's immediately transferred on us and we shine what? Our own light? No, we shine the light of Christ through our life as we interact with God. We live out the kingdom, and we're light, just like that. So in Jesus' mentality, you can't be that and be hidden at the same time. Like, it just doesn't exist, those type of things. That's a powerful word Jesus is telling this group of that's heavily a group of nobodies. Like you might sit here today and say, well, why not the pastors? I mean, that's really their job to get out there and be the light, right? Um, how about the priests? We don't have priests in, you know, in our denomination, but how about the priest? Or how about the deacons? Or how about that? Those are the real. And Jesus is saying, low. He's looking at this crowd and he says, look, you guys, you, everyone who came, you're light. 
when you receive the kingdom, as I blessed you with in this first section that we talked about last week, you're light immediately. You are light to other people. Light's transferable. In fact, our impact, you and I, our impact equals how well we illuminate the kingdom. That's our impact. You want to have impact on somebody else? Illuminate the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God about? And then you be that kingdom of God to other people. That is our greatest impact. That's powerful. So what happens in both of these areas, salt and light? What happens to us sometimes if we're not careful? Well, let's go back to salt for a second. Um, remember the second part of the passage? The second part of the passage is if, it's, if it loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, that bothered me, that passage, a little bit because I was, I was asking, first of all, I've never taken a salt shaker and like poured it out and went, and it wasn't salty. It's always been there every time, 100% of the times in my life. So in my head, I'm like, does non-salty salt even exist? What is Jesus talking about here? And why does he go so far to say not just thrown out, but thrown out and trampled underfoot, or trampled by men? So I had to dig a little bit and find out. Come to find out in Jesus' day, most of the salt comes from salt marshes. And they would just have a process of how they would have to extract the salt or as much good salt as they could out of it. And so they would wring it and rub it and scrape it and wring it and rub it and scrape it, trying to pull out the best salt out of this mixture, which was kind of a, a, a polluted mixture. And when they pulled out the salt, something else came out too. It was a white powdery residue that came out that looked a lot like, guess what? Salt. But guess what it didn't have? Saltiness. It was defunct. It was nothing. So what would they do? Would they throw that on their meat to preserve it? No. Would they throw that in their mouth for flavor, for their food for flavor? No. No. They would do one thing. They'd throw it on the ground to soak up moisture, to harden up the path, almost like a homemade concrete. That's what they would do, throw it on the ground. So Jesus is actually speaking something that's culturally understandable when he says, look, if... if you're not going to be those things. If you can't cleanse or preserve or, or flavor, there's only one other option. We'll throw you down to harden up the path. It's as if Jesus is saying, you can be these blessings. You can be this witness to the kingdom. You can actually be a blessing to others who it actually brings people along to, to encounter the kingdom themselves. Or you can harden people's heart to it. That's a powerful responsibility given to us. When we interact with the kingdom of God and we are salt. How about light? Um, I remember being out at my grandma's house when I was young, under seven years old. And out in the country, 100 acres, she was it. So we'd come outside of her trailer. And if you walked outside into the yard or the clearing as, as it was, that was it. It was so dark you couldn't see anything. Have you been in that situation? You put your hand up here and like you just can't see it. It's that dark. No front porch light, no street lights, nothing like that, no yard lights, just total darkness. Now, we like to go out, my, my older brother and I, uh, and my younger brother, we like to go out and like run around and play tag in that total darkness. Now, there was a couple of strategically placed trees. You know, I say strategic because we always ran into one. So, um, so it was strategic for somebody who wanted to laugh at us because um, we found them. My brother lost his tooth on one of those one time, so in darkness. Now, you could take a flashlight even a dull flashlight, a low battery flashlight. And if you stood in the middle and you flicked it on, immediately there was light. There was some area that was being lit up. 
immediately. Now, if I was trying to get to and fro at my grandma's house, I didn't flick that light on and immediately put my hand over the front, right? So that I could no longer use it. That would make no sense. And we don't, we don't function that way. That's what Jesus is saying here. That when we have, when we claim the kingdom of God in our life, yet we are of no light, then it's like we're capping it and it's of no value there. No, he says instead, we put it on a stand. We make it so it can be a blessing to everyone in the house as he describes it. That's what we're, we are. That's what Jesus is saying to these people. You are light or salt and you are light as well. Church, I believe that this is the strongest component of what we need to be. Like, God does not need, uh, you know, 170 preachers from Wendover Hills to go out and preach a sermon. In fact, what he really needs from a preacher's standpoint is just let's encourage us and empower us here in this setting and then shoot us out. And then we need 170 people who are going to go out and just live the kingdom, live it out with people who are far from God, who need the salt we have to offer, who need the light as well. That's what he wants us to do. That's what this passage is telling us, that when you live out the kingdom, you are salt and you are light, and the world will love it. They'll engage in it. Now, we'll have some people that that are not into it, sure, but there's people who are craving what God has to offer when we live out. Now, here's a problem. What we do sometimes is we say, you know, I want to be salt I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to find the spiciest, you know, Indian curry pepper spice. That's, I think I made up some stuff there. But uh, I'm going to find the strongest spice I can, and that's what I'm going to be to people, right? And God's saying, oh, whoa there. That's not what I need. That's not what I'm asking you to be, all right? That will probably be repulsive. So you just go be salt to people, you know? Or we say light. That's it. I'm going to be light. I'm so inspired. I'm going to go out today, and I'm going to be a laser beam burning the hearts of people. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, there. Just go out and be light. Just go out and live out the kingdom. And guess what? My spirit's already out there. My spirit's doing his work out there. Just go live it out and be that extra. Be that salt. Be that light. Here's a takeaway this morning, and I want to spend a little time with it because I I want this takeaway not just to be for you personally, but a challenge to us as a body of believers here. The first is this, evangelism or sharing our faith, that's all that means, or disciple making, that means you know helping other people learn how to live out the kingdom in their life. Evangelism and disciple making has to be a core value of every church. Like, I believe that going out and us being salt and light has to be an absolute core value of what we do. Like, there are things that we do at times, you know, little get-togethers on Saturdays and things, different things like that that we do, church activities and all that kind of stuff. That's fun. It's important. Community is important. But the core value of what we need to be as a church always is to be salt and light, to be out blessing people with, with the kingdom and drawing them and letting them understand what God has to offer their life disciple-making, that we would actually be engaging in people's life, and we would be helping them understand what it's like to live out the kingdom. Because, you know, it's confusing to us sometimes, believers, is it not? How do I live this out in my life? You know, when I hit these little crossroads in my life, how do I live it out? And to be encouraged and discipled and blessed by another believer is so important. 
In fact, Pastor Anson and I, we were, we were uh, down in Orlando at the conference and riding back and just processing just how impactful it would be for us to, to grow our one-on-one discipleship ministry, where somebody is actually building into somebody else on a one-on-one discipleship level, helping somebody learn how to live out the kingdom. And so we're trying to process, how does that work? How can we do more of that here at Wendover Hill? So as we work more on that, we'll let you know where the Lord leads us. Evangelism, we've been talking about my one. Who is that person God has called you to, to be intentional with, to build relationship with, listen to their story, hear about their life, share your story of how God interacted with you and brought you to faith or worked in your life in some area. That's evangelism. It doesn't have to be, you know, preaching on some stump somewhere or, you know, hollering through a megaphone. You know, just throw those, those systems away. Just go out and be relational. And then finally, our second point this morning, more and more people in America will have to be reached outside the doors of the church. It'll have to be that way. Listen, folks, um, I love all of you, right? And you all found your way here somehow, Right? But most people who are far from God, they're not just going to walk into the doors of the church. Like, they're not sitting at home right now saying, you know, maybe I'll just walk down to that church today. You know, it's got a kind of a cool building, looks, you know, doesn't quite look like a church. We'll just walk down there. In fact, J.D. Greer shares in his book a story of living for seven years next door to a mosque. And it wouldn't have mattered if the, the imam did some fancy series on family or finances or those type of things, or if they had some big carnival in their parking lot, or they had a really cool background for their next teaching series, he never had any interest. He was never going to walk into that mosque. Folks, people far, far, far from God are probably not thinking, I'm going to walk into the church. God wants us to go out and engage them and talk to them, to have life with them, to hear their story, to share our story and to share what the kingdom of God has to offer them. Jesus did the same thing. More and more people in America, they have to be reached outside the doors of the church. Can you do me a favor for just a second? Just just pull out your phone and put it in your lap for just a second, if you would. Just put it in your lap. Um, I'll come back to it in just a second. I'm convinced more and more, just the thought of the word church or Christian church has become more repulsive in our, our society. And so the more we just hang out here and talk church, the less impact we'll be. But if we go out and live out salt and we live out life, even if we're misunderstood at times, we are living out the kingdom of God. That is a blessing to people. But as chances are God's going to put somebody in your life who falls into one of those beatitude categories we talked about last week. And you remember the overarching one? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, broken in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the realness of God. And I think deep down, people far from God still want to hear that. So it takes us going out. In fact, it's going out and engaging. And one day the Lord might say, you know, hey, invite them to come and to be a part of a Christian community that will love them and will we'll share with them a real community that will live out the kingdom amongst them and will allow them whatever their starting point is, that's okay. And they'll just live out the kingdom with them. I believe that this community is like that. But it doesn't start with a fancy sign. It's not going to be a great event in the parking lot. It'll be 
you and I going out and, and just living in relationship and being a blessing. In fact, this morning, this is what I want to do. If you'd flip your phone, if you, you, you got a little flashlight setting, right, on your phone? You know, just, just turn on that flashlight setting and kind of keep it on your lap to where it's shining down for just a second, if you would. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to uh, have them turn off the lights for just a second as we, we close up. And, and what I want to do, um, e- e- even the screen, if you don't mind, just flipping that off. And what I'd like to, to do is I would like if you have been invited to our church, like if you were just somebody invited you some point in time, you've been here five weeks, you've been here 20 years, doesn't matter, but somebody offered an invitation for you to come and to be in this community. Do you mind just, just go ahead and holding your light up? If that's you, if you were invited, somebody invited you, anybody invited you just to come. Yeah. So you can see just, you know, just maybe, maybe even half, you know, are, the, are lights going up. That's what we do. When we are a light, we're salt and light to other people, that's what we do. We shine into their life. And just like that, they're affected. And they show up and they're part of this community and they come to know Christ the way you've come to know Christ. But it'll happen outside the doors of the church. So I want to pray for you in these areas. So if you bow and pray with me, and maybe you're like, I don't even need to hear your prayer, Tom. I need to go to God myself. Then you go and just do your own thing as I'm praying here. But let's go to God. So Father, I I just thank you that you're a God who invites us into your kingdom, all of us. Lord, I believe in your transformational power. I believe that you will take us from our starting point and you will transform us into the person we are. But it starts with us just being willing to just enter into your presence, to surrender our life before you. Lord, I know we've put it into the term of a prayer saying, Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If that's you this morning where you would say, you know, above anything, I I know I, I need I need to receive God's presence. I need to surrender to God to receive Jesus as my Savior and as who I'm going to surrender my life to. If if that's you this morning, you can just simply, just a quiet, heartfelt prayer, you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live from here on out in you. But maybe you've done that, and maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you're like, I'm not sure salt or light would describe me in any way. I mean, every once in a while I try to say something to somebody, or I hope I live it out, and maybe they'll come to me sometime and ask me what's going on in my life and what do I live for. But I'm not sure salt and life describes me. You know, quite simply, God says, look, you don't, you don't have to go get a seminary degree. You don't have to, you know, read through the Bible this next week. Just simply rest in my presence. Just simply surrender yourself again to me. And then just live out what I'm doing in your life. Live out what you saw my son live out. 
would be a powerful witness. Church, would you join me in that? What impact we can make on people around us. And Lord, we thank you for this. We're going to claim blessing even in advance because I know you're going to do a work. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen.